This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Welcome back. (laughs) I'm Mike. I'm JB. This is This List Sucks. Here we are on a Monday night. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Back again on a Monday night after a busy weekend. What did you have going on this weekend? Busy weekend for both of us. I had a a solo acoustic gig on Friday night that I played. That was fun. Um, And then Saturday, I just had some friends in from out of town, and we kind of did a nice little early fall bonfire. Had a good time with that. Oh, yeah, because it's gotten cool up there now, right? You know, it's actually pretty chilly tonight, actually. Is it's it got to really? be like maybe 60 or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah. Love it. Actually, 50, I mean, 55 right now. 55 right now. See, this is the best time, though. Like that fall sweater weather, it's absolutely, man, that's the king. That's yeah. the best. That's Iowa, fall and spring, right? Like those are the jam. I'm guessing it's hot as fuck it's down fucking- there still. Yeah, like 92 today, maybe 95 <laughs> in the middle of the day today. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty insane. Pretty insane. So pretty par for the course. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it pretty much falls in line, falls in line. So, okay, so musically, you were busy out making music this weekend. Have you discovered anything new? Um, no. Listener of the show, Shane Parker, sent me a new Santana song that was just released that I didn't get a chance to check out, but he had some high praise for it. But, uh, no, I didn't really check anything new, new release wise out this week. Did you? No, because I didn't necessarily see anything really, really great that's come out in the past couple of weeks. That's gotten me excited. Although I did, um, man, I'm trying to remember what it was. There is some stuff that's coming out soon. So that Silk Sonic, we talked about that a long time ago. Do you remember that? It was Bruno Mars and. And um, Anderson Pock, do you remember us talking about that? Absolutely, yeah. That that is is that coming out this that, week? That's actually. Let me see if it has a release date on here. Um, November twelfth. So only a few weeks away from that, and that's actually. I'm actually really excited to hear the rest of that because I've loved every single that they've dropped off that. Just super catchy, wonderful hooks, and kind of a good time. And then, of course, we would be remiss, and Lee Stamper would be super, super pissed at us if we didn't mention, A, make sure that you're going out to visit OnlyLee.com. Um, his subscribership has waned, so he's trying to be more adventurous. Check yeah. it out. But he is also super excited about Let It Be Super Deluxe, which is that Ooh. gigantor remaster of the Beatles. But so. still not naked. No, it's not a naked remaster. So that, And that... That to me is the unfortunate part, but at the same time, um, I'll go back and I'll re-listen to it because I'm sure that some of these are going to be demo tracks where, you know, where you do lose some of that wall of sound. At least I hope you would. Yeah, and they're Maybe. putting it on vinyl. That I don't know. I know that it's a digital release, but I don't know what the situation on vinyl is going to be. Yeah, I would assume that they would drop it on vinyl. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like a huge loss, missed, missed opportunity to not do so. Yeah. You know what I did do, though, because I was stupid. Um, I came down here to Texas and whenever I got down here, I it was like the most fortuitously happy realization because I realized that I had left that um, Grateful Dead box set from Paris down here because I can't really do it at home because of how much Jen hates the dead. (laughs) And so I brought it down here and it's rad. I mean, man, it was so much fun to go back and revisit that. It was almost like it was brand new again. 
Yeah, I've listened to that one. Like I probably spun that one. I mean, I, I've I've done it in its entirety once through, but I've done you know certain discs out of it several several times. So it, yeah. it's very very yeah. good. Very it's nice fun. recording I mean, too. Yeah, really like super high quality recording. The box set itself was put together beautifully. So yeah, gotta love those big Grateful Dead box sets. They do a good job mm-hmm. with those. Absolutely. Yeah. So some, I mean, some good things coming down the pipe. I think musically. I think musically. Of course, uh, live concert wise, we got um, we got Halloween right around the corner. Which, yes. Man, that's exciting. Um, fall tour starts. Fuck. Does does fall start tomorrow? Does it start tonight? Oh, shoot. Is there going to be a new fish show tomorrow? <laughs> there, might, there might very well be. I kind of haven't been following in the last couple of weeks. I know the, the dead's already out on their fall tour. Yes. I think that fish starts on the 15th. I think fish starts this Friday. Yeah. It starts this Friday. I, I just looked it up. So nice. Yeah. So, so you and I, we got Halloween coming up. Um, production manager and I, Justin, have Arizona the week before that Halloween yeah. run. Um, yeah, and then if you're local to Des Moines and you enjoy jam bands, keep an eye out if you haven't already bought tickets because there's a bunch of like smaller midweek shows that are coming through Woolies, which are really really good. So Pigeons Playing Ping Pong is one of those shows. Spafford is one of those shows, and I want to say that there was another one um, that snuck in somewhere too. And another friend of the show, Sean Smith, will probably correct me on on who that will was and where they were supposed to be but i mean really good kind of midweek shows coming up yeah i mean spafford and pigeons are both bands that are are really worth going out to to catch yeah absolutely absolutely and i keep thinking about going out onto like that bands in town app and submitting a request for j-rad to come to woolies (laughs) that's like a feature on there you can request (laughs) oh yeah yeah you can request the band to come to your town that would be awesome i don't know that i don't know that they ever look at that but maybe I mean, maybe a band like J-Red would want to pick up a show between the Sylvie and St. Louis. I don't see why know? not. I mean, on like a weekday or something. That's Exactly, that's dude. We'll, pick, up, pick up a Wednesday show. Pick up a Tuesday, yeah, Wednesday. That's a, when we're going to get all those people, you know, is, is on exactly. the, the Tuesday, I, Wednesday. I, fuck it, dude. I'm going to do it. Like, do it. literally the worst thing they're going to do is be like, Des Moines sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Hamilton, who plays guitar in J-Red, is the, like the lead guitar player. He has another band called Ghost Light, and they've come through through Des Moines. Actually, they played so they're familiar. most recently at uh, the Vaudeville Muse. May it rest in oh, peace. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, right? R.I.P. Vaudeville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sad oh. deal for, for the Des Moinesians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks whenever you lose venues. And, I mean, honestly, Des Moines is probably one of like plenty of towns that lost venues due to due to COVIDity. Mm-hmm. So, Undoubtedly. Just a bummer. Absolutely. No getting around it. Should we dive in? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I don't see any reason. Why not? Why yeah. not? So again, for those just jumping in here, we are going through Rolling Stone's list of the greatest albums of all time. 500 are listed, and we're picking it up at number 290 today, covering five. So number 290. Am I, am I 531 today, Mike? I think, yes, I think <laughs> I'm going to, you need to be because I'm still getting mine pulled up. Okay. Well, I'm ready. So 290 is Outcast, Speaker Box, slash The Love Below. 
For a decade, Outcast were a duo defined by dichotomies, regional versus celestial, order amid chaos, blackness, and the universe, in the universal. On their fifth studio album, that tension could no longer be contained on one CD. Big Boy's verbal funk overflowed on Speaker Box, his half of the double disc set, while Andre 3000's inner crooner exhaled like never before on The Love Below. It was a gamble to break up their twin alchemy this way, but in dividing themselves, Outcast conquered. America fell as deeply in love with the borderless pop bliss of Hey Ya as it did with the slick talk and soulful horns on The Way You Move. <clears throat> this is the way you move. <laughs> so, Such a great song. That is a great song, and that was... Just to kind of go against what they were just saying in the description, I mean, I don't really feel like they necessarily um, like split. You know, the like the they said it was a gamble to break up the 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 alchemy, but I feel like they were it was totally incestuous and they had tons of presence on each other's records. You know, so to me, it's just like a cool way to feature each each guy on on each one. But I felt like there were ton tons of Andre three thousand on speaker box. So Andre is actually only on three songs on speaker box. Really? He's on, yeah, he's on ghetto music. Like he's on the hook and ghetto music. He's on unhappy, I think. And then you got to go all the way out to like last call. I think to get his third feature. He's not yes, on the way you move. Story. No, he's wow. not. Mm -mm. Okay. But here's the thing, like, when you read about this album, you know, there was, oh, and, and, and Big Boy even has a line. I'm trying to remember which song it was in. Um, I think it's in Tomb of the Boom, where, um, where Big Boy talks about how everybody's trying to create beef between him and Dre, even though there's no beef. So even within the context of the album, like he was dispelling these myths that just because they created the album the way that they did, that there was some type of rift between them. Because if you like, at least from what I read um, from interviews from both of them, they were still talking with each other. They were still giving each other their music for, crit for criticism and to help to improve it. It just wasn't one of those deals where they sat down together and wrote every single song together. Yeah, that make sense? which is okay. It feels like a natural evolution to me. And I mean, you'd think if they were having a real beef, they probably just wouldn't make an album together. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So. Like, who the fuck would go through the trouble of trying to create a double album of this scope if you fucking hated the other guy? Yeah, people just <laughs> like drama. They just want to feed yeah. on it, create it where it doesn't exist. Okay, so did you like one better than the other? I like the love below better why i love like the the like they said the inner crooner thing i just loved how it, it felt so vintage i loved all the the jazziness to it not that there wasn't like a jazziness to uh to speaker box but i mean yeah and just and a, my favorite songs were on that one although there were plenty of tunes off on speaker box that i absolutely loved you know tons of four-star yeah. tunes I think maybe even a five-star tune on there for me, but yeah, like by far the the majority of my favorite tunes on the on the album were on the Love Below, and I just love the timelessness of it, the the swing big band numbers, and yeah, and I love Andre Three Thousand. I love his his voice, the way he did his vocals on that 
with the with all the layering, you know, all the falsetto mm-hmm. and the and then the low voice layering and stuff. Um, but I love the whole thing really. But if I had to pick a side, it would be Love Below for me. You opposite? <laughs> um, man, I don't know that I could pick a side because to me, like, you have to have this whole thing to get Outcast. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because the first half of it is like. I love ghetto music because that to me, like ghetto music sets the whole tone for speaker box, you know? Like, oh yeah. It's, like, it's the ATL fucking rolling in my caddy killer. Mike features like all throughout speaker box. And there's nothing better to me than big boy with killer Mike. Like I love the way I know you're a killer Mike together. fan. Yeah. Love killer Mike. But then feeling good, you, feeling get to, you get to the love below after that. And it's like, it's, it's fucking wonderful. Like yeah. it's every bit as good as speaker box, but it's wildly fucking eclectic, you know? Yeah. And that just, that just reeks of Andre. Yeah. He's um, so talented. Yeah. In terms of five star songs, um, for me, there was the way you move. Cause that is the, bang- <laughs> that's the banger off of speaker box. And then, Hey, yeah. And roses, probably roses really more than Hey, yeah. Like, Hey, yeah. is fun and it's catchy and all. Um, but roses is clever as so much. (laughs) It's just so fucking clever and I love it so much. It really is. But yeah, I think, Hey, y'all, I mean, for me it has to be a five-star tune too, just with the impact it's had, you know, I mean the whole, um, shake it like a Polaroid picture thing is just like a a thing at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, It's like it would, it became, um, iconoclastic, right? Yeah. Like it just became so iconic. And then the music video for that was a fucking riot, like so much fun in that music video. So when you can have something like that, that's like so impactful that it's just, it's basically just severed from the song at this point. It's, it's, it's become its own thing. Like you said, you know, um, worthy of, of recognize, but uh, so actually looking through, I don't think I had any five star songs on speaker box, but I had tons of four star. And I mean, I'm sure I could have, you know, been convinced to give a fifth star to a couple of these, but like the way you move was definitely a four star song for me. Ghetto music was unhappy was bow tie was even the rooster. I loved all of those, you know, and then, yeah. and then I had three five star tunes on love below. I had, Hey, yeah, roses. And this is probably kind of an oddball pick, but uh, I gave five stars to my favorite things. Holy fuck. I forgot to flip to that side. Uh, I did the exact same thing. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> that was it's so incredible. Brilliant. Like yeah. him covering Rodgers and Hammerstein in that manner was fuck. So brilliant, dude. Yeah. And just so like brilliant. absolutely virtuosic in every sense of the word. You know, the guy who played piano on that, like I wrote his name down, I think Kevin Kendrick, just Kevin Kendrick, yeah, mind blowing, you know, and it, it reminds is Kevin Kendrick is Kevin Kendrick, the guy that played piano in that Pixar movie too. soul. Oh, soul. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. That'd be rad. If it that. Was. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking of Robert Glasper. You familiar with him? No, who's that? He's like a neo soul R and B kind of producer and uh, slash instrumentalist. And he, uh, I mean, when I was listening to that version, I kept thinking that he must have been on it. He's a he was a he's a piano player, and he does he just does very similar stuff to that, like like similar yeah. the, of that like that upbeat feel to it. Um, 
but like like neo soul but at the same time it's like incredibly virtuosic and really fast blazing drums and crazy piano lines and stuff and i thought maybe he was even like on that song listening to it but so if you like that you should check out robert glasper that dude totally crushed john batiste is the pianist that played in that pixar movie um but nonetheless yeah total fucking five-star banger and i remember whenever i was like flipping through wikipedia because i always look for writing credits you know and i got to that one and it's all rogers and hammerstein and i was like what the fuck dude like did he sample that like what is this going to be yeah <laughs> whenever it played i was like oh I'm fucking oh it's cool. that song yeah <laughs> because this dude this record is so long yeah like it's over two hours i don't know that i've ever listened I don't know that I've ever listened to this whole fucking thing before this I, adventure. I definitely had not listened to the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I know that I had list, I had listened to all the speaker box before. And I want, I feel like I had to have listened to all the low below at some point in time, but I definitely wasn't. If I had, I wasn't in a spot where I was more willing to appreciate something like my favorite things, but hot damn. Yeah. It was, like, it was, that's the one. Listen, it was fucking wild. <laughs> it might be, you know, whenever we go back and do the continue with the uh, the bonus episodes, <laughs> the listen to one. Yeah. Because you've heard Roses, exactly. you know, you've heard, hey, yeah, obviously. I fucking guarantee you haven't heard this shit unless you're a huge aficionado of Outcast and of this particular record. Yeah. But for sure. Uh, okay. So did you add it to digital? Would you buy the vinyl? What do you want to do with it on the list? Yes, to both. I mean, this is, this is, yep. this is a fuck, this is a great record. You know, um, well, don't worry. The vinyl is a box set. Do you have it? <laughs> no, but each one of these would be like two, would be two LPs. or three. Yeah, exactly. So this is going to be, this is literally going to be like a four or a five LP set if you can find it. And I know that you can find it cause I've seen it before, but it just sounds terrifying to try and even purchase <laughs> yeah. fucking records falling all over the place. You need to bring, some, you need to bring a friend to help you carry it. but yeah i mean Um, i love it um definitely think it belongs on the list it's a really unique piece of music you know um it's pretty i love that it's so different than hip-hop too you know than than all the other standard hip-hop that they've had on the list thus far this is i mean it's out there you definitely cannot pigeonhole this into into hip-hop um it's pretty high on the list but i'm not against it being this high um yeah that's where i'm at too like i don't i don't dislike its spot um we've have we have or have not had stankonia yet have not okay we have not seen stankonia yet okay because i'm thinking about where is that gonna land um i suspect that's gonna land really really high we do we already know that aquemini is ridiculously high not actually not ridiculously high it's super super high because that's the one that made all the headlines when this list first came out are you familiar no i'm I'm actually not familiar with stankonia either oh man so aquimini is definitely my favorite outcast album and i want to say in the first list in 2003 they ranked it like 490 or maybe it was 499 or something like that um but this year it's moved up to 49 holy shit man yeah and everybody was like what the fuck like how in the fuck do you go from like 490 to 49 well you know, i mean it was probably list to the next you said it was 2003 was when the first the, yes yeah. well, exactly it, it, when it was probably almost no hip-hop representation you know 
It was probably pretty new at the time on that list. Right. And now it's kind of had time to season a little bit and yeah, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely seasoning that's going on. Yeah. Make that's more true. of an impact. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, I hadn't even thought about the seasoning argument, but you're absolutely right. Cause, but by that same token, that would be like us coming back to some future list and Harry Styles going from 490 up to like 32. And I don't know that I see <laughs> How do we know, man? Maybe in like 50 years, it'll be number one. And everyone will be yeah, thinking like I mean, Harry Styles is the true. greatest record ever made. <laughs> um, Counting down the days. Counting down the days. Um, Yeah, listen, I'm with you. Um, I, I mean, I definitely added it to digital. I'm, I'm a big Outcast fan as it is. I'm glad that I spent more time with this record because I'll definitely go back to it more, especially Speaker Box. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm cool with where it's at too. Especially so there's definitely the Outcast because we're gonna get more, more and they're gonna be some of those. I think are gonna be substantially higher. So there's definitely two in. more, two more Outcast records on this list, huh? Probably only two more Outcast records on this list. Wow, I mean the only because they would they would only be missing AT Aliens, which I mean I like AT Aliens and people like it, but it's not necessarily one of their more um, um, acclaimed releases. And then their first disc, which I can never pronounce the title because it's like six words all mashed together, and it's like Cadillac of Bumpa Street of Music uh, something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Southern Cadillac Southern Cadillac Playa music style or something. I, I can never remember what the hell it is. It's wild. Though. Southern Cadillac Playa music style. Yeah, something like that. something like that. Huh? <laughs> but I, I mean, we're gonna this. get a couple more. So I'm cool. I'm cool with this, and I dig it. Do you want me to read Rexy's comments? Yeah, because we got Rex comments. Let's do it. Okay. So Rex says, I fucking have loved this two disc set since it came out. Two fantastic albums showing off both the duo's personalities. Speaker Box being the Southern hip hop album with a little P-Funk in it and Love Below being a psychedelic pop funk tour. That's actually a great description. The lyrical ingenuity and production of it is incredible with samplings from Patti LaBelle, Ghetto Boys, Aaliyah, and John Coltrane. Every track is a head nodder. It's no Dungeon Family nor Equimini, but it's goddamn outcast. Buy this immediately. I love this album. I'm ashamed I hadn't listened to it in ages. Yeah. Feel you there, Rexy. Goddamn outcast. Southern <laughs> playalistic Cadillac music. Okay. See, it wasn't nearly as complex as I was making it out to be. It took me a few minutes to work out there. I was I was <laughs> Okay, so I'm not so I'm not a lunatic. Right? I was doing that the whole time you were reading Rex. I was trying to figure out how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on because I'm so excited to talk about this album. This might be the one I'm most excited about this week. Ooh. Um, 289, the 1995 release, um, Bjork's album, Post. Rolling Stone says, quote, I have to recreate the universe every morning when I wake up, end quote, Bjork said, explaining her second solo album's utter lack of musical inhibition. Post bounces from big band jazz, it's also quiet, to trip hop, these modern things seem to be both of those things at once. Lush and disorienting, dissonant yet ensnaringly lovely, it proved the idyllic, the the Icelandic pixie who dazzled MTV viewers fronting the sugar cubes was in fact one of the 90s truly boundless musical thinkers. Fun fact, for her vocals, Bjork extended her mic cord to a beach so she could sing to the sea. 
Were you listen? I don't. I don't know if you read that before or if you tried to fact check any of that. But I didn't see anything like that about her taking a fucking microphone out to the sea. I didn't come across anything about that in my readings, which were not super extensive. I'm not trying to discount Rolling Stone or anything. I'm sure that they fact checked themselves too. But isn't that the whole point of our podcast is to discount Rolling Stone? I mean, that's true. They're (laughs) shitheads, but. (laughs) <laughs> what are we splitting hairs over? <laughs> but uh um so were you familiar with this had you heard this record before yeah of course right uh i mean not all not like the record all the way through i'd heard some of the tunes for sure i mean but i hadn't like sat down and listened to it all the way through were, did, did you were you already familiar had with you it? had you had much experience with your think we lost you there for a second mike well we'll wait a second to see if he comes back on here we might have to restart the stream anything talking about bjork sorry guys brief technical difficulties here sit tight Well, we'll wait for Mike to come back. I'm going to read Rex's thoughts on Bjork here, and we'll see if he comes back on, and then me and Michael kind of continue to talk about Bjork when he gets it back on the stream here. So, Okay, so Rex Todd on Bjork. Didn't think I'd find this album so high on the list, but here we are, Rolling Stone. Here we are. It's a great album with many eclectic genres, Euro dance, big band, sad ballad, However, we're getting too low on the list for some Dark Horse albums to be taking up these spots. Buy the album, yes, 289. Eh, maybe. Oh, you back on my bitch, that Rex. Yes. Yeah, I finally reloaded. Oh, damn you, Rex Todd. <laughs> damn you. So Rex thinks it's the- too high. Yeah, he does think it's too high. What did you think? But he likes it. Um, well, I just wanted to get Rex's thoughts, you know, out of the way real quick while we're waiting for your for your for the whatever who's ever internet probably mine to uh, figure no. out that situation. I there. doubt it, dude. You manage to always get fish tickets. I always manage to get <laughs> shut out. It's clearly my bargain basement Walmart internet. <laughs> well, whatever the case, we're back on. So <laughs> crisis averted. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me what you think. I loved, I loved most of the record for sure. There were, you know, there's some real avant-garde experimental shit on here, which I will always encourage. You know, I think that there are certain songs that it worked out better on for me than others. But the the songs that I loved, I like really, really loved. And the song, my probably my favorite song was actually not experimental or you know avant-garde at all, which was "It's Oh So Quiet." That had to be my favorite tune on the entire yeah. record. I love the way her voice sounds on that. She just has this weird little quality to it that almost sounds like she's out of breath, but she's like putting all that she possibly can from her throat into, into the words that she's saying. And I just love it. I mean, really, really love her voice. I, I mean, I would have to go back and do some serious counting, but I, um, so I didn't listen to Bjork until I saw her perform and it was right after she, released this record and it was at the free tibet concert in golden gate park in san francisco that the bc boys put on and she opened that set with army of me 
And I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck is happening here? Like there's this little person bouncing up and down on the stage and that song totally crushed. And I never had any clue that Bjork even existed. And then I, I immediately went out and I bought this, I bought this disc and I listened to it a lot. I mean, I listened to it a lot when I was um, like coming out of high school there for a couple of years. That's a great track really, too. Really Army of me. I know it's so fucking good. And especially lyrically because lyrics on that song are nothing that I necessarily ever paid a whole lot of attention to. But like when I was going through it in this, like I loved the lyrics to that song. They're so, so good. I mean, the lyrics throughout this whole thing, I think are really spectacular, except some of the really avant-garde shit that she was doing. But even those, I found so much beauty in the music that I was like this, this album hooks me. This yeah. album hooks me in a lot of ways, the same way that Portishead does. If yeah. It makes sense. There are similar elements, I would say. I mean, not the same kind of music necessarily, but there are similar elements. No. There's definitely trip hop elements to, to the Bjork stuff. But like, army of me is an example of how she just takes these melodies that like shouldn't actually be a hook and somehow makes them into a fucking hook like <laughs> like like that the main chorus on that like if if anybody else was doing that you'd be like what the what the hell are they doing like why are they singing those <laughs> those notes in that order but somehow like it gets stuck in your head you know what i mean the way that she's that the way that she does it and i think it's just entirely in in her <laughs> you know yeah I agree. This album is also rife with my favorite sound, my favorite bass tones. Does that make sense? And I'm specifically thinking about like specific types of house music um, and trip hop and rap from the mid nineties. They had a really distinctive tone to the bass on the tracks and it's all throughout this album. And it just, it's, I don't know. It's like a time capsule. Whenever I hear that particular like mid nineties kind of dance trip hoppy type of bass. It just, it's transported in so many ways and yeah. to a really good place too. You know, like they're very fond of memories for me. So love it. It's fun. Yeah. But, um, army me four stars. I gave four stars to hyper bad. I gave four stars to it's so, so quiet. I gave four stars to Isabel. I gave four stars of possibly maybe, so possibly maybe is to me, that's by far and away the most beautiful song on the album. It's one of the most beautiful songs I think ever been recorded. It's so wonderful. That is like I a spooky it. sounding song. You know, I love the, like the, the, the background reverb be like, possibly maybe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It, it's gorgeous. But then, like there's so many layers in there too. Like the electronic layers and the ambient layers. It makes me, it makes me say on the record on this podcast, thank you, Brian Eno, you fuck. <laughs> you thank know? you for because paving like, the without, way, Brian Eno. Yeah, without Brian Eno, I don't think you get any, I don't think you get Bjork making music like this. I you know? don't so. think so either. Yeah. So, um, and there's a lot of industrialness to this. I like, I definitely hear a little bit of, uh, you know, some parallels to, to Reznor here for sure mm -hmm. especially in like i think army of me is a good example of that yeah also yeah. like i miss you that track um the, so the last two songs were maybe like I, I still starred them like i gave them each a star but 
I was just maybe not understanding them as much with just the two or the probably three or four lessons that I gave it. Maybe if I like really sat down and listened to this a bunch, I could start to figure those ones out. But those ones were a bit of a hard egg to crack for me personally. Cover me in headphones I'm talking about. Yeah, and I didn't put any stars next to cover me necessarily. Um, you know, I didn't write bad notes next to it. Like, it was really short. <clears throat> it was really beautiful. I do like that you get, like, that seamless transition from cover me into headphones. And I did put a couple of stars next to headphones. I like that. But to me, the more challenging tracks that she released on this record were the ones that she produced with Tricky, which... Um, which ones enjoy- were those? Enjoy... So Enjoy was one of the tracks that she did with Tricky, and then Headphones was the other track that she did with Tricky. And Enjoy is right after It's Oh So Quiet. Yeah. Um, it's it's good. I fuck I love there's almost all almost every single one of these songs I wrote, man, I love this beat. Yeah. <laughs> man, I love this beat. You know, yeah, there's but some good beats on there. Particular. Yeah. Can you imagine a, a collaboration between Bjork and, and Trent Reznor? That would be amazing to get some of his, his his production work, but with Bjork's voice. It'd be, yeah, it'd be really, really wild. And especially with how kind of haunting she can make her voice. Oh, yeah. Ooh. God, I could see that being a really, really solid combination. Um, five stars. Oh, so quiet for me. And also I gave, um, I gave four stars to Isabel. That was my second favorite tune for sure. I loved Isabel. Yeah. yeah. That was like, it was like this crazy industrial sound, but with tribal type percussion on the verses. Yeah. And then the chorus, yeah. it like gave way to this gorgeous string part. It almost sounded like a fantasy movie, like a I movie mean, soundtrack <laughs> on the exactly. chorus. Yeah. It was like the never ending story, but the song version. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I already had this as part of my digital library. I have not picked this up on vinyl for some reason. Um, and I feel like I've seen it too. And now that I've revisited it like this, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it, I'm not gonna pass it up again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's too good. I'll snag it too, for sure. And I did add to digital as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I finally kind of delved into a Bjork record, I, I I had heard of some songs and I I think I knew a couple of tunes. I I knew I'd heard Army of Me before. But uh I are you familiar with any other Bjork records at all? Um I've listened to Debut, which was the one that came out before this, and that that one's really good. That one's got human behavior on it, which human behavior is kind of fun, especially if you dig more of those kind of tribalistic type beats, because <laughs> that's really what that is. It's also a super fun music video. Um so do you think this is the only one on here? I'm just not familiar enough with her discography to say either way. I don't know if you Man. are. Maybe, maybe I'm, not either. I'd, I, I think I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that it very well could be. It very well could be. If it's not, I would have to say that debut would be the other one. If there's going to be another one. Jesus, dude. How do you say her last name? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever know. tried to pronounce that shit oh fuck no i can't even pronounce a goddamn outcast record name how the fuck am i gonna do bjork's last name oh my god man that is just that is a mouthful <laughs> um i think she's a really unique individual though i kind of dig her vibe i think um 
she's super experimental. I like that she's willing to take risks like she did on this record here for sure. And, and I mean, mostly they paid off, I would say some, some really good stuff. Like I, I dug it for sure. I think it belongs on the list. Yeah. Do you like its placement? You want to move it up? You want to move it down? You want to have it stay put? I'm in the stay put camp myself. I like the placement of it. I mean, right. Just shy of the, almost the damn near middle of the pack. I like that in a top 500. I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately. Maybe I'm being kind of a hater like with just most records that I feel like every record I'm like, move it down. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> that, that was going to be my immediate response was like, maybe move this one down a little bit, you know, maybe anywhere between, <laughs> you know, 20 and 30 spots down, I would say. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, JB, is that you're not like when we say that, and I and I do feel like you've said it more than I have recently. <laughs> yeah. But it's not as though it's not as though we're being unrealistic because in the first one hundred or two hundred records that we did, how many records were we like, this is so fucking great and I can't believe it's this low? It needs to move up a hundred. Yeah. It needs to move up hundred and fifty. So it's you not know, like we've been I saying that see the this whole record time. closer to number three hundred. You know, so yeah. realistically, I think that you're just fine saying, Hey, these fuckers gotta move down because <laughs> you've already got records that you've moved up. That's so true. fuck them. I can only have so many Get records out. this high. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. So I'd probably knock it a little bit, a few pegs down, but I mean, really a high praise for this one. This is this is great. This is worth listening to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth a gander if you haven't gone down the Bjork Road. Indeed. So, and I already did read Rex. Did you catch most of that, Mike? Yes. Yeah. yeah so uh, he likes all the genres on it, but he doesn't want it this high. But he likes it. He would buy it. Fucking haters. Haters. <laughs> Motherfucker. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah, haters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for These it. Damn haters. Uh, 288 <laughs> is The Modern Lovers, self-titled record from 1976. Jonathan Richmond moved from Boston to New York as a teenager in hopes of sleeping on Lou Reed's couch. That influence shows on the two-chord anthem Roadrunner. Recorded in 1972, but not released until 1976, Lovers turned the tough sounds of the Velvets into an ode to suburban romanticism. Rock and roll was about stuff that was natural, Richmond said. I wasn't about drugs in space. Songs like Pablo Picasso, Girlfriend, and Dignified and Old touched generations of punk and indie rock, indie rock innocence. This was hmm. a first-time listen for me. Yeah, and I too. never heard of these guys. Never heard of these guys. I mean, I yeah, I don't think I had either. But uh, I'm gonna be a hater again. I didn't dislike <laughs> this record, but throughout most of it, and I didn't realize how how much he was basically trying to copy Lou Reed. I guess, but I was like, this is just basically discount Velvet Underground. It's kind of how I felt through through some of it. You know, at least there was some stuff that was funny that I that I ended up liking a little bit, but. <laughs> more than I expected at first, but that was my, that was my initial reaction. Has that changed? I mean, just because you read a description from Rolling Stone. No, I mean, if anything, it's cemented. <laughs> but, That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, if nothing else, then reading that description for you should have been like, it should have been like fulfilling. You should have been like, fucking thank God I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Did you feel that way? <laughs> Um, I never made the connection with Velvet Underground, but I think that's just because I've never gotten deeply lost in the Velvet Underground's catalog. Oh man, I enjoy Lou. 
Yeah, I enjoy Lou Reed. I enjoy the Velvet Underground. It's just never been. I don't know. I've, like I said, I've never gotten lost in it, you know, so that wasn't my immediate touchstone when I was listening to this. But um, it's not really my thing, <laughs> you know, like, honestly, what it made me want was it made me want to listen to the Stooges. Okay, that was the other the comparison that I was making a lot too. Um, yeah, because the Stooges released that released that self titled record in sixty. Was it sixty seven or sixty nine? Do you remember? Um, I feel like it was sixty nine. I think yeah. Um, I feel like it was sixty nine too. But yeah, I made a comment in my notes even as as, as early as Astral Plane. And I was just thinking, like this this style has been done before, just like this. And it's this is not necessarily my favorite example of this style. I would much prefer the Stooges or the Velvet Underground. Is is what I wrote, basically word for word there. So, yeah, and that's and you know it's funny because I loved the Stooges when we listened to that way back when at like four sixty. And I'm going to tell you right now, not to hate on any of this, but I'll just take a clean trade. Yeah, just you can just plug swap the Stooges it. in at 288 and plug this guy back in at like 460 or 463 or whatever, and this list is money. Yeah, you know. Oh and yeah, that's really how I feel about it because it felt like the Stooges was like raw but really really original, and this it's just not, it feels like it feels yeah, it just feels like a weird ripoff. Yeah, it does. Um, not to say it's bad. I mean, a lot of it feels really good. It's very simplistic instrumentation, simple chord progressions, but it sounds it has a you know, it has a certain heartbeat to it that is is not unenjoyable. You know that I that, yes. that I that I can get behind for sure. Um, and there was some good stuff. Vocals like are, vocals are kind of tough though, right? Yeah, the guy was a little annoying to me. Um, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Okay, good, good. That's where I was too. I did think Pablo Picasso was pretty funny. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> loved the guitar on that. I thought the guitar was super funny. So it's like Pablo um, Picasso was never called an asshole. <laughs> Not like you. That's <laughs> what he said. <laughs> but like musically, highly simplistic. I mean, that was basically just a vamp on one chord the entire song. And most of their yeah. chords were either that or maybe other songs were either that or, or maybe two chords. At the very most, you know, throw a third one in there. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Girlfriend. Nice. Um, if I remember. Um, that song was actually, lyrically, it was my least favorite by far. Yeah. I thought it was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, the, yeah, the lyrics are not intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, G I R L F A F R A N is how he's spelling girl, <laughs> girlfriend. But, uh, like musically though, decent little hook on it, and there was a third chord in that one, so that that got a well, thumbs that's up. Ex- that's yeah. fucking exciting. Uh, I liked yeah, Old I World. Okay, hospital. you liked Hospital? Yeah, I did like Hospital. My the song that I put the stars, the most stars next to. It's not a good song, but I probably liked it more than any other one, and that was Astral Plane, which is really kind of like a like a terrible vapid song <laughs> like it's so dumb it is but stupid. i like the hook on, on it you know what i mean yeah for yeah i didn't give that one any stars the the guy was just not coming across <laughs> likable <laughs> l- lyrically or the way he was singing on that one at all 
He was I like, know, I guess if I you I'm... won't sleep with me, I'll meet you on the astral plane. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking I mean, he about? was just he was exuding rock um confidence is what he was doing. Yeah. In a severe way. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh man, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, this is this is uh, this is way too high for me, and I like your idea of swapping it with the Stooges because that was a great that was a great album. Yeah. Um, you want to read Rex? Says, yeah. Um, yeah. Rex says, "Who? All right, all right." Lead <laughs> singer sounds like a mix of Dire Straits lead singer and early Tom Petty. I I mean, mm. I can kind of hear that. Um. I don't even know what genre of music this is. Probably what hardcore Mormons call quote heavy metal or baby first punk rock album. Baby's this first is punk. The kind of um, yeah, this is the kind of album I was just mentioning in my previous comment. Doesn't deserve to be on the list or doesn't deserve to be this low on the list. Closer to four hundred. Thanks for Rolling Stone for proving me right about this bullshit list again. Yeah. So I think we're, I think this is the first time in a long time that we've all been in agreement. We're going to swap this fucker out with the Stooges. Rex, I'm speaking for you, assuming that you're good with moving the Stooges up significantly. Um, I'm sure you'll let us know one way or another, but yeah, fuck this. Dude, I don't and know. I'm I might not, even I take this off like all the way. Are you? Listen, maybe. Um, actually, yeah. Fuck that dude. Like that, there needs to be room for Alice in Chains. There needs to be room for Flaming Lips, and it's not going to be with this thing on here. And yeah, fuck you, Modern Lovers. I mean, I didn't like Super despise sorry. my time listening to this, but best albums of all time. We don't have room for you, Modern Lovers. Sorry. Yeah. Try harder. Super duper duper. Yeah. Super duper. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Should we move on to something that'll be, I think, a lot more interesting conversation? Actually, I think so. You and I. Yeah, this, this is fun. pretty like just ripping it apart yeah <laughs> okay 287 we're going to be talking about the birds from 1965 um i believe their debut right i think it is yeah um uh, yeah. mr tambourine man yes quote wow man you can even dance to that end quote said bob dylan on hearing the birds harmonized electric 12 string treatments of his material their debut album defined folk rock with la studio savvy and ringing guitars the birds hit number one with their jangled up mr tambourine man but as they soon proved, they were a whole band full of brilliant songwriters. Gene Clark wrote most of the album's highlights, like the moody Here Without You and the Irresistible, I'll Feel a Whole Lot Better. Go. Yes. What do you say? <laughs> uh, this is a great one. Like, I really liked it. We, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, and we were talking about it's pretty interesting to listen to, to albums like this. I mean, and the Modern Lovers um, at the, for the, you know, <laughs> But like this close to albums like Bjork, you know, like yes. inter interesting pairing. It's a weird juxtaposition. Yes. It's a really, really weird juxtaposition when you see albums like that this close to each other. Um, but I, I, I dig this one. There's there's a lot of really, really good tunes on it, and there's a lot of Bob Dylan tunes, or like maybe four or five to be exact, but as a percentage of the record, it's pretty high, you know. Yeah. But there's also some very, very good original tunes on this one. I think when we gave, when we did... Uh, the full moon fever tom petty recently i didn't realize at mm -hmm. the time that if i'll feel a whole lot better was a was a uh, 
was a bird's tune. I, I thought it was Holy original. Fuck. Well, no, because you told oh me, God. you told me yeah. on the podcast, yeah, but I didn't realize right. before. So I had given it five stars. Like, this is a fucking great song. I loved it. And uh, I gave this one five stars too, which makes sense because it's the, origi- the original one. But that's a fantastic song. I really, really love that one. And you can really hear the, the, the Tom Petty influence on that one and on several others of these. Um, yeah. But you can also get, I also get a lot of Beatles throughout this, although maybe not as psychedelic, you know? Definitely not. Like, this is pop Beatles, yeah. right? Super duper 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 super duper poppy Beatles. Which, if Very you're into so. the Poppy Beatles, that works really well for you. If you're not into the Poppy Beatles, you better get into them. Otherwise, you're going to hate this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, for the record, I didn't give any of these songs five stars. I only the gave most. that one. I think that that is the best song on the record. I'll feel a whole lot better. And I think that's, that, that to me, that's a, that's a really, really well-written song. It's, it's simple, but it's great. It, it's, yes. And I'm with you in terms especially in terms of the original material you know um it's definitely the best song on the record but mr tambourine man's a really good song it's just not it's just not theirs you know spanish harlem incident really Really good good song song. just not theirs you know so i also really really liked um uh all i really want to do which is another dylan song and i loved the opening on i knew i'd want you and I think I knew I'd want you was an original track. That was an original track. Yep. Yeah. Um, so th- there I were mean, a couple other um, there covers were, that weren't Dylan, right? Yes. Yeah, there was. Yeah. The Bells of Rhymney, which is P- Pete Seeger along with uh, Idris Davies. You familiar with yep. Pete Seeger? Man, I, I know the name, but I can't place it. Just like classic folk Americana um, songwriter. Like really, really, oh, really okay. um, prolific songwriter. Okay. Um, and then there was "Don't Doubt Yourself, Babe," which was written by Jackie DeShannon, who was one of the like the first female songwriters of the rock and roll kind of era. That's what I was reading about. But that—that's cool. That's a really, really good tune too. I loved that one. That one I wasn't so crazy about. I didn't. I mean, I didn't put any stars next to it. Um, I wrote. I mean, it was okay. It was fine. The same with Chimes of Freedom, which was another Dylan tune. The last Dylan um, tune, yeah. Yeah, the last one. It was okay. Um, I probably if just in terms of like covers that weren't Dylan, um, that Ray Charles cover at the end, "We'll Meet Again." The fucking vocals on that were spectacular. I didn't put any stars next to it, but I really, really loved them. Like I love the vocals a lot. And and know? so that's Good what harmonies. That's one of the things I liked the most about this whole this whole album was the vocal harmonies. And just to get these Bob Dylan tunes, but because you don't usually get vocal harmonies with Dylan, you know? No. Yeah. Almost never I mean, do you get any. So I mean, yeah, this he builds he, Dylan builds melody through the band, though, in a weird way that almost creates the illusion of a vocal harmony. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Because the way that, just the way that the way that he uses his instrumentation, I think, is really, really unique. And it's unique to his voice, too. But definitely. Um, but yeah, it was cool to get the Dylan tunes. But with but with the harmonies, that's the biggest like differences I can see because because for the most part, they're faithful covers. You know, they're not like taking a whole lot of artistic liberties with these tunes. They're pretty much just yeah. doing them. But in you know 
making them sound like the birds, you know, like in terms of how they're harmonizing the vocals and doing the instrumentation, but they're not changing the feel of any of the tunes. They're not really changing the tempo as much at all. Um, when you listen to this as a guitar player, like as soon as you hear it, are you like, Oh man, that 12 string, it's really, really wild. Or does that, I mean, am I just a moron for not being able to instantly recognize when they're playing a 12 string, when the, when the tone is this fucking jangly <laughs> or is that the 12 string that makes it this jangly? It's the 12 string that makes it that jangly. Yeah. So he's playing yeah. an electric 12 string. It's like a Rickenbacker yeah. guitar. Rickenbacker. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I could, but you know, you got to remember that that's kind of what I do. So, <laughs> but so I'm like an unfair person it's to true. ask, but yeah, I definitely recognized it right away. Um, it's just really, really, really resonant. It almost like it's almost mandolin-y, which is kind of why, you know, why, with good reason because that's what a mandolin is it's like the same concept you know to so. me it almost sounds like an effect does that make sense yeah it almost sounds <laughs> like a chorus effect not, like Cause that's, yeah. that's basically what it does that's that's essentially what that's a 12-string guitar does is an analog yeah. chorus effect you know yeah so it's basically yeah. like double tracking the guitar you know like sometimes you hear guitars double tracked it's like it's an a very common pedal, thing right? Yeah, it's like an octave pedal, right? Um, yeah, sort of. Like the like the low three strings on the on on it are are octaves, and then the treble mm -hmm. the three treble strings are just unisons. So it's like literally just oh, two of the exact so same. Is okay, yeah. So it's like half half octave pedal, half chorus. Exactly what you were talking about, depending yeah. on how you're playing those chords. Jeez, even <laughs> exactly. crazier. Okay, but All yeah. Right, well, uh, thank you for not making me feel like quite the moron but no you shouldn't feel like a moron now, at all he plays this a lot though yeah. throughout it's a very it's, it's very uh common throughout the, this this record yeah absolutely what um i mean listen i'm um i didn't add this to digital because this is not the type of album that i would listen to just on my phone if i found it in a record store i would definitely pick it up because i do enjoy this but where do you what do you want to do with this list wise I'm just kind of curious. I want to drop it down a little bit, um, especially given that it's just so many covers. But I, I could see this one staying on the list. I do think it's probably too high. I assume there has to be like a like another Birds record on here. I don't know that for sure, but there's there's one that I can like see the cover in my head, but I can't think of what the name of it is. But I have it. I have it on vinyl, so I should dig it out and and see. You know, I'm, I might even see if I can. Just find it based on the covered art. The birds also did. The birds played "Turn, Turn, Turn." Right, that was a bird song. Mm, yes. Okay. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's a super iconic song. I have no, but but I'm so un, I'm so wildly stupid about the birds catalog too that there's no way that I could predict whether or not there would be another birds record on here, and especially if it's going to be higher than this one. You know what I mean? Because this is this is pretty I do high. Think that, yeah, and I think I understand why this record is on here because I th I think that this is maybe the best example of the sound that they created because I feel like that's why it's here. You know, I don't find it musically, I don't find it like outrageously compelling from a musical standpoint, but it's definitely iconic in that I think that these guys were basically like the first the first band in America that kind of recreated that poppy Beatles type of sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the album that I was thinking of was sweethearts of the sweetheart of the rodeo. 
And oh, so, you know, we'll okay. see. Um, like that has Graham, Graham Parsons on it with the, along with the, the other guys and the birds before he fucking burned himself up in a car fire. No. Yeah. Was no, like Graham Parsons. Yeah. I think it was before he did that. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That, so I'm reading <laughs> that one was that that record was widely considered like the first example of country rock. So kind of a genre. Oh, the, defining the rodeo one that you were talking about. Yeah. The sweetheart, sweetheart of the rodeo. It's called sweetheart of the rodeo. Wow. Okay. Well, that could be fascinating then if we do come across that on the list. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be against hearing that first country rock album. That'd be fun. But yeah, I would say that this one's, this one's too high for me. I think, I think somewhere between four and four fifty would be ideal. So I think it's way too yeah. high. It's crazy for me to think that this isn't hanging around the same neighborhood as surrealistic pillow. Because oh damn! Even we, when you put that comparison there, it's crazy that yeah, you could just swap right? those. Because we literally like when we got to surrealistic pillow, we understood like we bought into this rationale mm-hmm. that it was low because there were a couple of really really good songs on there, but they wanted to put it on the list because it was representational of sound. What yeah. the fuck? Like that's exactly what this is. Exactly. You know, and I and I don't think that it's, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that it's 200 records better than what Jefferson airplane was doing, quite frankly, especially when Jefferson airplane had Grace slick and I love Grace. Slick's I voice. think I'd probably argue that Jefferson airplane is 200 records better than this one. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. And I, I liked this, but yeah. Yeah. But when you think about it relative to surrealistic pillow, it gets really, really nutty. Yeah. It gets hard really for me bad. to rationalize that for sure. Yeah. Well, well um, okay. So, how about, I think it's your turn to read Rex. I'll read Rex. <laughs> wow. Really, Rolling Stone? This low on the list? How high were you guys? Seriously, you, you have some good shit or those shrooms were hitting hard. <laughs> I had this vinyl. I listened to it when I was a kid. The birds are a personal favorite of mine. They were one of the voices of the baby boomer generation. 287? 347. Yeah, that number makes a little more sense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he still okay. wants it on the list. He just thinks it's you know, 60 records too high. <laughs> Again, now I'm curious as to what Rex thinks about the comparison between this and surrealistic pillow. Cause I think that's a really cogent comparison, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm curious, curious to see what he says. Um, what I also want to do though, is talk about this next time. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's me, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you go ahead whenever, whenever you're ready, man. Go ahead, um, dickhead. <laughs> 286 is Red Hot Chili Peppers, our first entry from them, California Cation, 1999. Turning their focus completely to songs instead of jams, the Red Hot Chili Peppers steered frontman Anthony Kiedis' voice into a radio-friendlier wail on Californication. That and the reappearance of guitarist-slash-secret weapon John Frusciante helped form beautifully composed songs such as Scar Tissue. When John gets excited, he's like 8 billion volts of electricity, said Kiedis. He was knocking things over. It was absolutely chaotic, like a little kid trying to set up a Christmas tree. Hmm. Or like a guitarist trying to come down. (laughs) Like a guitarist, yeah, trying to get more heroin. (laughs) Yeah, trying to get more heroin. He's like a a monkey that can't come out of the box. No, um, 
that okay so that description i actually love because to me this album is only as spectacular as it is because of john frusciante prove me wrong i think that most of the chili peppers is only as you know as good as it is because of john frusciante he's like yeah it's a it's it sucks every time he's left the band which has been like twice and i think i think think (laughs) he's back in the band for the third time now he is back on the band for the third time now. They're yeah. getting ready to release another album, and it's like, fuck, thank God, we'll get some good shit. We'll get a good album, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to shit too hard on John Kling- on Josh Klinghoffer, though, because I did see the Chili Peppers a couple of times with him, and I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed, but I've also seen the Chili Peppers multiple times with John Frusciante, and John is just so much better. And to me... Jesus, how many times is- have you seen the, the Chili Peppers, dude? Hmm? five wow maybe dude maybe six that's a lot of times you go on chili peppers tour it's fucking fun no no in fact that same um that same show that i saw bjork at in 95 i also saw the chili peppers there they were dressed up as light bulbs it was fucking fantastic that was early because that yeah that was blood sugar sex magic yeah they were fucking bonkers which will be the second highest a lot of chili peppers yeah. record on this on this list yes <laughs> um and to me i think it's going to be the only other chili peppers record on this list even though you seem to <laughs> vehemently think that stadium arcadium is going to be on this list i want you to be right because <laughs> i want to win you're one not bet. going to be <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to win at least um, one <laughs> okay so his guitar playing is spectacular to me, though, John Frusciante's vocals are that that is my favorite part of this record is his vocals, especially on songs like Scar Tissue, Man Alive, Man Alive. Wait, which part was he singing on Scar Tissue? He's singing um, uh, uh, from a bird's eye view or what does he say from? a um, God damn it. Hang on. Let me find the lyrics. He's singing the backup in it. He's singing the backing chorus behind that. It almost sounds like it's a layer of Can- of Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, that's not. what I thought it was. I didn't realize there was Frusciante vocals. No, no that's John Frusciante singing backup vocals. That's Birds of that's Shade, it's a long about. way of you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, he's great. He's a really, really good vocalist too. That, 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 yeah. that adds a whole other dynamic to uh to fruition now go yeah so now go back and listen to it though and almost all of those backing vocals if you listen really really close that's not anthony kiedis okay and he's all over this record with those backing vocals awesome i'm telling you dig into it because it's so fucking it's so good and you can really pick it up because have you ever dug into any of the solo records that that guy did a little bit out on the street a little yeah bit. so don't listen to the ones where it's just noise because he's too fucked up, but find the ones where he sings on there too. And then when you listen to his solo stuff, then go back and listen to Chili Peppers and it'll be painfully obvious to you like which one is Kiedis and which one is John Frusciante. Okay. Awesome. I'm telling you. Um, yeah. Th- th- there's it, a real interesting like turn towards the melodic on this record compared to their old stuff, you know, especially compared yeah. to like Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is like just straight funk rock slash funk rap slash funk metal, you know. Um, and One Hot Minute, which got really, really weird because of Dave Navarro. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? When Navarro joined the band, like the sound got fucking really, really weird on that record. <clears throat> and then they came back for this one. So it was nice. Yeah. Um, a lot of really, really beautiful kind of restrained melodies on this one. You know, Scar Tissue being one, although Scar Tissue is definitely not my favorite at all. Like, I like Scar Tissue, but I think there's better songs, which which is weird because Scar Tissue is by far the most successful probably. But uh, um, I think Other Side, yeah. I find way better than Scar Tissue personally. Like, I love that I think song. that song is every bit as popular as Scar Tissue. Does that make sense? You think it, you think it was as popular? Yeah. Yep, I do. And I think Californication is right up there as well with both of those songs, just in terms of like popularity of the singles. And I liked both of those better than Scar Tissue personally. Man, I don't know. I love that chorus on Scar Tissue. It is. A, it's, it's a. It's a beautiful chorus. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, just so beautiful. But but listen, I also have four stars next to Other Side. I have five stars next to Californication. Dude, that first that that opening track around the world, fucking the chorus on that is so good. And that's another one where you're getting harmonies between Anthony Kiedis and John Frusciante in there as well. Again. And, and that song is all about Flea as well. I mean, his bass Fuck, playing yeah, on that. Dude. Even from the very <laughs> beginning with that crazy fuzz bass tone that he starts that with. Fuzzy bass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's badass, man. Some the, the bass yep. playing throughout this, I mean, Flea is like the guy that's just been hundred percent consistent in the chili peppers. Like he always is putting out good shit on every chili peppers record, you know. Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be wild either. No. You know what I mean? Like he plays with he plays with this ridiculous level of emotion i feel like too depending on the set and setting of what you know what the song needs it seems like he's always able to plug in exactly what the song needs does that make sense yeah definitely yeah he's like very song serving and that that's Mm -hmm. like can absolutely be said about frusciante's guitar playing as well yes he's all about the simplistic like a lot of times the little riffs he's playing are just you know, single note riffs. Like I feel like a lot of guitar players, they, you know, they go to dress up like a lead part for a song and they're thinking, okay, here's a simple idea, but how can I make this more complex and add more notes to it and make it sound thicker and fuller? And Frusciante, it's almost like the opposite. He probably like came up with some kind of riff and he was like, all right, how can I simplify this? How can I (laughs) distill it down to exactly the bare minimum that it actually is required here at this point in the song, you know, he just, he's totally, he's totally content to play single note, little melodies that are very, 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 very restrained and simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easier for me to talk about the songs that I didn't like, because really there were only a couple. Um, I like dirt. <laughs> it's, it's super funny and it's kind of goofy. I, like it's too, it's too silly for me though, lyrically. And so even though the music was fun and super funky. Yeah. Zero um, stars for me. I didn't like that one either. I, I think that yeah. this is a and good then example. Road tripping. You didn't like road tripping. I mean, it was all right. It, it was cool. Like it was pretty and it was mellow. Um, I loved the guitar work on it, but it wasn't necessarily one that, um, it wasn't necessarily one that just kicked my ass. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. I do kind of think this is a good example of a record where like they pop they the B sides are really not as good. <laughs> you know, like like the the first half of this record is way better than the second half, in my opinion. They're a lot different too. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Because I because there's some songs that I really, really loved on the B side of this. Like this Velvet Glove stood out to me. I loved like the loud, quiet dynamics that were taking place in that song. Um that was all about Frushanti on that song. Yeah, I thought Savior was really nice. Savior's pretty um, good. And I fucking loved Right on Time. <laughs> yeah. It's so funky, dude. It was like a disco send up. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like a funk metal tune on the verses, and then it drops into a straight up house beat on the choruses. That's exactly um, right. Purple that's exactly stain, right. that's straight up about a period of blood stain, right? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, but I Some did like kind the of disturbing that song. lyrics. Yeah. Like I was I was totally out on that song, but I put one star and then in parentheses right next to it, I put just for the guitar solo. Because <laughs> I really did like the guitar solo on that song, but the rest of it I'm yeah, I'm fucking out. The lyrics <laughs> are just like out. why why is that what you wanted to write? <laughs> you know? That's exactly right. I was just like, dude, I mean like yeah, we get really? it, you know, that, that happens. <laughs> but like why are you writing <laughs> you know? Yeah, do we do we really have to be singing about this? really and the answer um, is no we don't no we absolutely <laughs> do not um speaking of speaking of opinions um rex todd says god damn i love this band every single element of their music contributes so well together um their sound aside from two or so albums has not changed such an awesome album especially the ridiculous guitar work of flea and frushanti although most of these tracks have been beaten to death by radio if you remove the hits from this album, it's a solid album with the same sound from the mid nineties. That's super interesting. I, I mean, it would definitely lose a lot of firepower to me. Yeah. If you stripped away scar tissue, other side and Californication. Yeah. I wouldn't call it time. toothless, but it would be a way different album. Um, he says good spot for it. I pray more red hot chili peppers is on here. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if there isn't because this, this is bullshit. Listen, you're definitely going to get blood sugar sex magic, Rex. You're definitely going to get that. I think there's Probably no way not you Stadium don't. Arcadium. I, <laughs> I think you're going to get Stadium Arcadium, and I think it's going to be <laughs> higher than blood sugar sex magic. <laughs> it's just like, dude, I'm going to go back to the same, like, look at how they ranked American Idiot and Dookie, man. I mean, okay. I mean, listen, that's fair. Because that's, you know American Idiot's fair. on this list because <laughs> it definitely is and yeah dookie was way lower i think that you could draw parallels straight from those albums you know from band to band like dookie is to his blood sugar sex magic as as american idiot is to stadium arcadium it's like the same thing um no <laughs> <laughs> well at least i'm gonna win one here so you got that going for me yeah, we'll see. Hey yo, hey yo, snow, snow, hey yo, snow, snow, hey yo. I got you, hey yo. Oh, hey yo. You better oh, listen to what I say, yo. <laughs> well, Play Doh. Okay. Um, <laughs> should we <laughs> should we preview next week? Yes, let's do so. So, right. uh, Mike, I know you're really excited about this two eighty five. So. Why don't you let you read this 285 off? <laughs> so you want me to go first? Number yeah. 285. Listen, this is exciting. You thought that you were being a smart ass. You're not. This is super exciting. <laughs> the last fucking big star album that we're ever going to have to talk about is at number 285. The name of the album is Third slash Sister Lovers. Mm -hmm. Except for the posthumous compilation that that is ranked uh, <laughs> <laughs> much higher. Uh, 284, we have Merle Haggard, Down Every Road, the anthology that goes 
spans from 1962 to 1994 and is five hours long. So just a little pre- preview. We are not going to be yeah. taking notes on every individual track because there are 100 of them. That's right. Yeah. The editorial comment is we'll listen to this um, and we'll talk about it, but we're not taking notes like, yes. not on a fucking five hour anthology. No way. It spans three plus decades. All right. Number 283. We're going to talk about Donna Summers, 1975. I'm bad girls. Mm hmm. Mm. 282 is Frank Sinatra in the wee small hours. I'm excited about that Uh, one. Are you? Nice. I'm excited about number 281, Harry Nilsson's album, Nilsson Schmilsson. Do you know this guy? 1971. (laughs) Dude, I just did the cold listen, and I was so excited because when I saw Coconut, I was literally thinking to myself, fucking please, dear God, be the lime in the coconut song. Is it? Please be the lime and the coconut song it's the fucking lime and the coconut song son Put the lime it's on and there. The coconut. is that one <laughs> yes dude it's so fucking good too sweet and if you think that song is weird wait till you get to the rest of the album <laughs> fun well I, I have not cold listened to that yet so i'm looking forward to it. i'm gonna probably do that tomorrow yeah dude yeah so. definitely definitely a good time um I don't know what's going to happen from a programming note. I mean, we will, we're going to get another episode. We're going to get another episode in. I don't know when we, we JB and I got to confront schedules and stuff like that, but, um, but we'll be back. We'll be it, back to talk about the next five albums on this turd real, real. Soon. Yeah, we will be. It very well might be like a, like another Sunday or early next week kind of deal. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Yeah. Especially to get through five hours of the Merle. Oh, Merle. Yes. 100 yeah. Merle Haggard songs. They all start to bleed together after the first four. You know, after the first 27, yeah. it's going to go smooth as shit out of a goose's ass. <laughs> Which is smooth if you haven't seen. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks as always for tuning in. We really do appreciate uh-huh. it. Um, send us an email at thislistsucks at gmail.com. Send us voice Bingo. messages. We still have that as an option. We will play your voice on our podcast. Unless your name is what was Lee Stamper's uh, moniker? Oh Jesus! What the hell was that hobo? J- Jimmy Smitherson. Unle- unless Smitherson. you're Jimmy Smitherson, that's we, right. We won't. And listen, we also won't play John Gruden. Fuck you, John Gruden. If you send us a message, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself, you turd. Yeah, fuck you, John Gruden. I don't know who John <laughs> Gruden is, but all right. He's the racist head coach of the fight of the Raiders that just got fired. Yeah, we don't want any we don't want any shit from you, John Gurdon. You fuck right off with that shit. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. This list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. This list sucks. It sucks.